We're going to start today first with Andre Bartos from Credo Ventures. Andre, welcome to the show. This is I've heard about your firm from your uh, friends from uh, the Czech Republic or Czechia now, um, and, and you may have seen the stories we've done on some of your local colleagues. So I'm really looking forward to getting acquainted with you. Your line is breaking off, so we need to clean that up. How do we do that? Um, no idea. Um, that is much it better. better. That is much better. That is already much better. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I would like to start by having you introduce yourself and Credo Ventures to our audience here, and uh, and then we'll uh, discuss what you're up to out there and what are the trends in your space and so on. Cool. Great. Um, so again, thanks for having me. Um, as mentioned, I, um, I'm a GP at Credo Ventures, uh, which is a BC firm based out of Prague, Czech Republic, um, doing seed and Series A investing in Central Europe. Um, compared to 1 million by 1 million, we're a young firm because we, we only started um, so we started Credo in 2009 um, with the aim to actually create um, a Central European VC firm with uh, Silicon Valley DNA and aspirations and ambitions. Um, so our aim since the very beginning has been to invest into startups with global ambitions um, who aim to compete in the global markets and who aim to address big problems with uh, innovative and smart solutions. Um, we currently um, are um, just about to close our fund three, uh, which will be around $100 million. Um, our previous two funds. So we started with a small sort of pilot fund to test the hypotheses that venture capital um, of the Silicon Valley type can work in, um, in a region as remote and exotic as Central Europe. Um, so we started with a $20 million fund um, and then our second fund was uh, about 60 million. Uh, we've made uh, 42 investments um, up until now, and um, now we aim to double down on our investment thesis, which is built basically around the region that we're in. So let's actually double click down on, um, on some of the things that you said and, and just get some color on how do you define seed? How do you define series, uh, series A? Well, yes, I, I guess we should define series A for Central Europe as well. Uh, what are you looking for in seed in terms of uh, validation? Right. So when we talk about seed, we basically talk about investments up to 
1 million euros or say $1.2 million. And what we look at mostly um, at the seed stage is the team and the founder and the size of the opportunity. So we don't necessarily look at revenue. We don't look at any other market validation. It can be pre-launch, it can be pre-revenue, but, uh, but we're really interested to see a big opportunity in terms of big um, target market. Um, and we, we very much, very much look at the, um, the team and, and the founders. Um, we, consider, we consider ourselves to be very founder friendly um, and founder centric. So um, founders so and teams are very important to us. The 42 investments that you've made, um, how many of those are concept stage investments and how many already had prototype and some market validation? I'd say about a third would be, would fall into a bracket of, you know, conceptual or pre-revenue um, stage. Um, okay. Then, and, uh, then another, yeah. Then another third would be, yeah. Another third would be the ones that already, you know, had products or product out in the market, but just with initial revenue and not quite product market fit, and mm -hmm. and the last third would 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 be for you know, Series A investments or large seeds where we saw already some traction. So um, what is um, the geographical boundary of, when you say Central European investments, how far do you go? What are the four regions? Of, obviously, you have Prague and, and surroundings, but what else? Yeah, I mean, uh, so when we uh, talk about Central Europe, it's basically the the region between Germany and sort of Ukraine, um, those two excluded. So it's, it's countries like Czech Republic, Poland, um, Slovakia, um, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Croatia, Slovenia, um, this is the this is the space that we operate in. And the 42 that you've done so far, where, what is the bulk? Is it 50% Prague, 70% Prague? What's the what's the distribution? So I'd say uh, we consider uh, the Czech Republic and Slovakia, which actually used to be one country not that sure. long ago. We consider our our home market. And uh, I'd say about 40% of our investments have been originated um, in those two countries, and the rest is the rest of the region. And are there any other hotspots in those other places besides Czech Republic and Slovakia? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've done we've done a number of investments in Poland, which uh, which is the the largest market in in our region um and also Poland has been um pretty um 
active and vibrant as a, as a market. Um, we are big fans of Romania, um, as you might um, or might not know. Our currently most successful startup is, is a Romanian company called UiPath, which happens to be the first unicorn um, born out of Romania. And, and we've done uh, two more investments in, in Romania. And in general, that's, that's a place where we see a lot of action, a lot of activity, a lot of hunger. Um, what, um, what is important to say, as I mentioned, we only look at startups with, with global ambitions. We don't. We are not excited about copycats or, you know, two um, niche uh, plays. So we we only invest into the ones that can make it big eventually. Um, well, and um, you know, just to give some context yeah. for the audience, um, there have been a couple of very successful uh, consumer antivirus companies out of uh, Prague, AVG and Avast, and which eventually merged and, and today is, is a larger company. That's probably the first major, major success story out of that region. And then uh, we'll double click down into UiPath before, but I want to ask you one question before we do that. Um, what do you like to invest in? Is it B2B, B2C? Everything, or is it just B two B? What's your preference? So um, we don't have. We are not specialized. So being in a in a in a region like Central Europe, we um, unfortunately, fortunately, depends on uh, how you look. Uh, we don't have the luxury of our peers in, in, in the Bay Area or in, in Silicon Valley um, to be able to specialize. How we position ourselves is we look at anything in technology, um, mm -hmm. either producing technology products or, you know, using technologies in a, in a significant way. And um, um, so we can we can do either B two B or B two C. You know, okay. if you ask me three years back whether we would do anything in hardware, I would have probably told you no. But you know, tada, we've made two hardware investments as well. So what we will be really um, care for is is the big ambition is you know some kind of a competitive edge um some good reason why the company could or should succeed um mm -hmm. i you know i can tell you that most of our investments are b2b and our most typical um investee or portfolio company is enterprise software but uh but it's not because we prefer those kind of companies, but it's it's just because it's it's a lot more um, probable or um, likely um, that an enterprise software company succeeds coming out of Central Europe than, say, consumer companies. 
Um, right. I don't think, you know, a Facebook could have been born in um, Hungary. Um, that's, that's just too Well, not unlikely. in 2004, but we will see. Skype was born in Estonia. Yeah, Skype was born in Estonia. Um, um, I, I still believe that, you know, the founders of Skype had previous exposure and access to the Silicon Valley. And without that, but that today that is I, very easily available, right? You can, uh, if you can get, get a concept validated and get to some extent, moving to some extent, you know, you can sort of do the very early stage in Central Europe and you can always raise more money and, and set up a, a, you know, second headquarter or headquarters here in Silicon Valley and get that access. I mean, the, the bridge between India and Silicon Valley has become really powerful, and there are a lot of companies who are operating in this mode, and I just don't see any reason why Europe cannot do that, replicate that. It's not as solid. The European connection to Silicon Valley is not as solid as the Indian connection, but it should be, and of course it should be. So let's talk about UiPath. I, yeah? You were saying something? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I, I, I just wanted to agree uh, with what you said. And truth is that, you know, globalization is uh, progressing. And it is my deep belief that, you know, in any part of the world, any kind of startup can be born. It's just that in some places it's it's more likely to, you know, to to be a, a, a successful enterprise software company, and in some other places, it's it's more likely to build a, a successful consumer play. That's all. Let's but talk uh, about but UI I path. totally agree that it's possible. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the UI path. Tell us when you saw this company, at what stage, what did they have, what caught your attention, and what did it go on to become? Yeah, it's a. Uh, um, I, I, I like talking about that story, so let's let's talk about that. So I first met um, the founder of UiPath, um, I believe, in January 2015, and at that point, UiPath was really just 10 people in a dodgy Bucharest uh, apartment um, who had interesting technology. Uh, which they were selling at that point as an SDK um, or, you know, as an as an installed software uh, with a perpetual license. And but uh, but it was very well uh, designed and it worked uh, really well. And and so that was one part of the story. The other one was that the that the two founders um seemed to be one of the most passionate and and nice people that I that I've met. So, you know, the combination of those two things plus, you know, looking at the market, we thought that um that it was really great timing for you know, an automation um, software of of that um, of that kind. 
So can you talk a bit about you know, what it means so that people can uh, have the context? Sorry, is that, uh, oh, they, uh, so they do uh, what's called uh, robotic process automation. So they use software to automate uh, repetitive mundane tasks in um, organizations, mostly large ones. So um, think of it as software robots that can perform tasks that are very usually still performed by people, but shouldn't be because they're repetitive, um, rule-based, um, and software can do them, you know, much better actually and and efficiently than than people. That's how so it started. When you met them, um, were they already doing that for some enterprises? Uh, yeah, um, they were not doing it on on the scale they're doing it now. But yes, they've uh, they've already had some customers, but uh, but they had a couple of hundred thousand dollars in in revenue. And as I said, it was it was not uh, recurring revenue. It was perpetual licenses and and some revenue from SDK sales. So. Mm -hmm. They only um, so we invested uh, we invested in the summer of 2015 um, in in a seed round in a 1.6 million dollar uh, seed round together with uh, Early Bird and Seedcam. Early mm -hmm. Bird is another um, Central yeah, Eastern European VC, and and Seedcamp is probably the uh, one of the top uh, seed funds in Europe, um, and um, and only in the fall of 2015 they actually turned the business into SaaS, into subscription. So um, only after the investment they started to generate recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. And where are they getting traction in terms of customers? I assume they're going after enterprise customers. Where, what segments, what kind of use cases are they getting the most traction in? So um, it's uh, this is very different from um, uh, between then and now, um, because UiPath now is already a company with uh, over two thousand employees. So up from 10 when we invested, um, they're now over 2,000, and um, and they have you know nine-digit um, recurring revenues. Um, I believe it's it's around 180 million um, in ARR um, these days. So. Um, but back then, we thought that the most logical way to start would be uh, financial services and, and BPOs, business process uh, optimization. So those were the segments that we went after and uh, we did get traction, but uh, what happened, and it's, it's not a common thing to happen actually, to, to be honest, um, 
the initial growth of UiPath, um, the initial growth in 2016 and a good portion of 2017 was really based on inbound. So, you know, it somehow happened that the company timed their go-to-market so well that all of a sudden there was a lot of demand for automation, for, you know, software robotic automation specifically. And so they started growing into segments that we, that we did not think would be um, the most obvious, like healthcare, uh, public, mm -hmm. you know, insurance, um, stuff like that. Okay. And, um, in the other 41 deals that you have invested in, um, what are some of the trends? What, uh, what kinds of stuff have you uh, started seeing success with? So this is, um, this is something which will be somewhat specific to our region. Um, you have to bear in mind that uh, that we're in Central Europe or Central and Eastern Europe, uh, which is on one hand um, known for good, solid technical talent and engineering talent. On the other hand, uh, which suffers from lack of marketing and sales talent and experience. So. Uh, what we've started seeing as a trend um, is that the more successful companies in our portfolio, um, companies that we've invested in, are the ones that are led by people who have had previous exposure and experience with the hardworking culture environment, you know, people who have worked in startups before or who have went through a Google or Facebook experience as employees, um, people who have, you know, even worked with uh, consultancies, you know, the McKinsey's and, and BCG's of this world. We, um, so I, I, I would not necessarily call those people diaspora, because some of them never left the region per se, but uh, but you know many of of the successful founders that we see um, have had some previous experience with uh, with mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, with London, um, with Berlin, um, and you know the founder of UiPath is one example because he spent a couple of years in Redmond working for Microsoft before mm -hmm. he went back to Romania and eventually founded UiPath. And what, um, what conclusions are you drawing and, and what practices, best practices are you replicating across the portfolio vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, setting up a Silicon Valley presence or a U.S. presence? Like what? What is your UiPath trajectory, and what are, what is the trajectory of your more successful companies to scale? Yeah, I mean, uh, I you know I I have to 
I have to say that UiPath still is a, a, a big outlier um, in, in the region. And I'd say in, in, in Europe, actually, it's one of the most, uh, uh, one of the fastest growing enterprise software companies of, of all time. So taking UiPath a little bit aside, uh, but, one but of the learnings. You, before you set UiPath aside, though, what has been UiPath's uh, strategy? Have they set up uh, Silicon Valley very early on or, you know, U.S. very early on? What is their geographical uh, location and headquarter, and how is the company run from a scaling perspective? Right. So, uh, truth is, they started expanding fairly early on, mm -hmm. um, and they started with uh, with two territories, so to speak. Uh, one is the U.S. Um, it's not the Silicon Valley, um, but New York. It's the East Coast, um, mm -hmm. and for a company like UiPath, it may make sense because you know they focus um, on the the big you know Fortune 500 com companies as as potential customers. So the East Coast is is um, is, is a good option. That was well, one of the a, first ones. A lot of European companies and actually prefer to set up their U.S. headquarters in New York or Boston. Part of it is just the time zone yeah. and the accessibility. It's, it's, Silicon Valley is far from Europe. I mean, it's far from India, too, that and it's far true. from China. But, but I think uh, for, the, for European companies, I think uh, I have seen this in, in a lot of European companies that have chosen New York or Boston over Silicon Valley as their U.S. headquarters. So, yeah. so go ahead. Um, three, three hours is 180 minutes. That's, um, you know, that's a lot. So, um, yes, I, I agree that the East Coast is something to consider. Um, but I, um, I, I always tell my founders that it really, really mostly depends on the type of business they're in. Um, it very much depends on where the target customers are. It mm -hmm. depends on where the potential partners are and so forth. So in our portfolio, there's actually more companies that, um, that moved further west uh, mm -hmm. all the way to the Silicon Valley than to the East Coast. Um, we have a couple of East Coast uh, companies as well, but uh, but but Silicon Valley still wins. Um, that's the melting pot. That's where you know many of the potential partners, customers, and potential acquirers sit. So so that's that's how it is. And so you are uh, to conclude. Yeah, I, to I conclude, was So it was. Silicon Valley or equivalent early on, not not leave it till later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I I think so, especially if you wanna if you wanna grow fast, because you know as we've learned, the U.S. is just a totally different league in terms of you know the the speed of growth that you can achieve there, um, and um, and there are even companies that uh, that we don't consider as successful 
And one of the reasons they were not as successful as they could be was that they moved to the U.S. too late or they actually failed to, to move to the U.S. And uh, to conclude, and you will like hearing that, um, right after setting up New York in the case of UiPath, uh, we, uh, we set up India. Um, one of the reasons was that, uh, as I said, one of the early um, one of the early verticals we were going after was BPO, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of BPO um, business in in India, but also because we felt like uh, it, it it could be a good idea to start another sort of developer engineering. Um, um, center um, outside of sort of Romania. So at this point, it's still Romania with most of the people um, working uh, for UiPath. It's uh, I believe it's now more than 500 people in Romania and in uh, Bucharest and Cluj mostly. Then second uh, biggest. Uh, center of gravity, if you will, is, is the U.S. with most of the salespeople, sales force. And then the third one would be India. And what um, trends is, uh, do you see in the BPO industry with UiPath? Because uh, the reason, the case for the Indian BPO industry was cheap labor. So, so now are you saying that you're bringing in software and replacing the cheap labor? Uh, what I'm saying is that we're bringing software to make the slightly cheaper labor even more productive and efficient. Because with RPA, it's not necessarily that we're replacing the people, but we're empowering the people and we're giving the people a chance to work on a lot more interesting and useful stuff than they used to. Um, because they have to. But that's not, that's not the basis of the Indian BPO industry. The Indian BPO industry is to do exactly what you are doing with technology, is to automate or to, you know, outsource all these routine, mundane tasks. I, I do agree. Also, I'd say BPO is already uh, not among the the top verticals that UiPath is going after, but still, I I, I still believe that it's it's an interesting proposition for the BPO industry as well. It's just that it's not the okay. most I, I, I don't think we need to obvious. delay this point. I have a lot of thoughts on this because I've long believed that all the entire BPO industry is going to disappear because of automation. So I think UiPath is yeah. a very good example of a company that is going to enable that transition to happen. It will happen. Sooner or later, it will happen. I am a believer of that, too. <laughs> okay. So... Um, I think we've got a good sense of what's happening in your uh, in your universe. Is there anything else that you want to add um, before we conclude this segment? Um, I mean, uh, to conclude, I I so I come from this region. I I love Central and Eastern Europe. I'm a big believer that it had been over, uh, overseen for 
a long time. Um, I remember, you know, the early days when we were coming to the Silicon Valley in 2010, 2011, 2012, and everybody was looking at us as, you know, where are you guys coming from? Is it, you know, Chechnya or is it Russia? You know, it's, it's, it was improbable to seek uh, something interesting in, in, in our geography. But, uh, but I think this is changing rapidly and looking at things like HackerRank um, and other sources, you can see that Central and Eastern European engineers um, and, and programmers are, are now considered to be among the best in the world. And therefore, I am a huge believer in the region. And I believe it can be used both as a as engineering um, center for U.S. or um, or Western European startups, as well as, you know, a melting pot for the new generation of startups. And, I, and are you finding I uh, good collaborators in Silicon Valley, like funds who are willing to invest in, in a company that's starting largely in yeah, uh, Central Europe? Yeah, the, the, the change is visible also on, on numbers. It is visible on stats, on number of deals. Um, we have uh, co-invested alongside, you know, Sequoia, Kleiner, Axel, you know, Index, uh, which has European genes per se, but, uh, but we have invested alongside Flybridge, which is an East Coast-based fund, uh, Baseline, uh, which is a San Francisco-based fund. So. You know, yes, we do see more and more appetite, and more importantly, maybe we see more um, belief and conviction um, in the big VCs that it is actually possible to build something really interesting and competitive out of Central and Eastern Europe. Very good. Well, it's wonderful to hear uh, what you're up to and what your region is up to, how it's growing. We have been covering this for a while, so it's, it's wonderful to see the progression and, and uh, uh, have you here. So thank you, Andre, for participating, and uh, we'll keep in touch. I would actually like to feature UiPath in our Entrepreneur Journey series. So if you, uh, if you introduce them to, uh, to my team, they will schedule the interview. Sounds great. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. We'll keep in touch. Thanks, Ramana, again for having me. And, you know, good luck to the entrepreneurs who will be pitching. And, uh, you know, good luck to everybody who's trying.